0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome again to Student of the Word. Today is number three in our series on God's mission for the church. And God's mission for the church includes power and authority for your everyday life against Satan and all the works of the enemy. Let's go to the Word of God and find out about this power God has given to us.
1: For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian.
0: Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandy. Glad to have you here today. And today is number three in the series that I'm teaching on God's mission for the church today. What is our mission? We know it's to win souls. That is the major things God's called us to. But secondarily, he's asked us to take his place in this earth and given us the same power, given us the same authority to do what he has done while he is seated in heaven. You realize that the Old Testament was just many, many trips of Jesus coming to earth as the angel of the Lord, as the fire by night, as the cloud by day, as the uh, burning bush, all the different ways that Jesus Christ appeared in the Old Testament. He would come and then go back to heaven, come and then go back to heaven. But once he sat down at the right hand of the Father, after the work of the cross was over, his 33 years here on the earth, and in his resurrection body ascended into heaven, and sat down at the right hand of the Father, it's quoted in Psalm 110 verse 1, but also in Hebrews chapter one, twice this verse is mentioned that God said to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. What Jesus did in his first coming was only for him. We could not accomplish the virgin birth. We couldn't accomplish 33 years of a sinless life. We could not accomplish going to the cross, dying for the sins of the world, because first of all, we're cursed. Jesus had to come through the virgin birth to do that. But then after he was through with that, he did his part. He then told them, go to the upper room. You're going to receive your part. And when he went to heaven, God said, now sit until I make your enemies your footstool. There's two words that are used for uh, Jesus in the book of Revelation, actually two Greek letters, you are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end but you realize that's uh, two letters out of 24 in the alphabet. So there's 22 other letters in the Greek alphabet. And so we fill in all that between, between alpha and omega, we are beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, right on down to what I believe right now is the letter Psi, the one that is before the letter omega. We are completing that. And when we complete that, the rapture will occur and omega will now stand up and complete what he started. So in the meantime, we have this filler time in between, and this is part of what Jesus described, Paul described, the writings of the New Testament described as the mystery. And this is taught in Ephesians chapter three. And uh, that's why I'm offering the book on my, my book on the book of Ephesians, because Ephesians is probably one of the prominent books that teaches about the mystery. It is brought out in some of other Paul's writings, but mostly it's brought out in the book of Ephesians. And so much of the mystery is included here. And let me again qualify to you what the word mystery means in the New Testament. The word mystery does not mean something we do not understand. There's been times I've even heard ministers say, well, this mystery that Paul talked about, we're just not supposed to know that. No, the mystery is something that was not known in the Old Testament, but has been revealed to us in the New Testament. And part of that mystery is found in Ephesians chapter three, verses one through 12. I've already quoted that, but I wanna quote verses eight through 12. And let's take a look at verse eight. Paul says here to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace is given that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see or to enlighten all men. What is the fellowship of the mystery? That's what your King James says. That's what a few other translations say, but the Greek word here actually should be translated dispensation or time period so that he could make all men understand or or now be enlightened as to the dispensation of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages, that's all other dispensations, all other time periods, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now, now in the church age, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. We've been covering it for two classes, for two sessions, and that is the fact that God knew all this before the foundation of the world, and that's all three members of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But ones who didn't know were the elect angels, Satan himself. No one else knew. None of the created ones knew, and no one in the Old Testament knew this was coming. And so God's desire was that for Jesus Christ to be seated in heaven and his authority be given unto men and men who are actually created below the level of angels. And that includes elect angels and fallen angels by, by uh, creation were lower than them, but to take us and endue us with authority and power above angels. Even though I'm not on the same created level as an angel, God has endowed me with authority to do things that angels cannot do. And this was all kept a secret throughout the entire Old Testament through the fall of Lucifer, then the creation of the garden, uh, placing Adam here on this earth. All that was accomplished throughout the Old Testament. Everything that God did, he did through Jesus Christ and Jesus would leave heaven, come to earth, accomplish these things and go back but once Jesus Christ came as a human being and then sat down in heaven next to the Father, at that point, all this has been given to the church, and this is the mystery. And we covered it for a few uh, times here in the first two broadcasts of this session right now that I'm teaching, and that also can be found in my book on the book of Ephesians. You can This will be offered to you at halftime, so you can find out how you can have a copy of it for yourself. Let me talk to you about the mystery again. Mystery is another name for the church age. And... And for the teachings of the church age. The church age, which is the dispensation of the mystery, began at Pentecost, and it will end at the coming of Jesus Christ for us. It's not something, again, we do not understand, but Old Testament believers did not understand. And we have things today that were not understood or known in the Old Testament. So let's go down, let's begin by teaching on the mystery, the fact that it was already known in the heart of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter two, and let's take a look at verses seven and eight. And here in these verses of scripture, it says, "'We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, "'even the hidden wisdom of God, "'which God ordained before the world, "'or the ages began to our glory, "'which none of the princes of this world knew.'" For if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And this also includes Satan. This includes demonic forces. This includes leadership of uh, Israel, Rome, those who put Jesus on the cross. If they would have known God's plan in all of this, they would have never put him on the cross and crucified him. But again, they did not understand everything that God had planned. And the revelation of the mystery did not start until the day of Pentecost. And this is why when the disciples said, are you gonna start your kingdom right now? They were on the Mount of Olives with him. Are you gonna start the the kingdom right now? Can I sit on your right hand? Can I sit on your left hand? And they kept saying over and over again, when are you gonna build the kingdom? When are you gonna build the kingdom? And he finally said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which are in my father's hands, but you shall receive authority and power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be my witnesses. I'm sure they're like, well, okay. You know, anyway, they came down from the upper room and the revelation of the mystery hit them. They didn't have all the doctrines for the mystery, but they suddenly realized something. We are in a time period that only God knew about. From the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they begin to understand we now need teaching for our dispensation, for our time period, And that's where the writing of the New Testament epistles began. And that it starts with Acts chapter three and goes all the way through Revelation chapter three. The first chapter and opening of chapter two of Acts all has to do with just before the church began, but in the when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter two and verse four, bam, the church age began. And that goes all the way through Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, meet for our dispensation, teaching for our time period that was never understood in the Old Testament, but now taught and revealed in the New Testament. And that's why to truly be a successful Christian, you cannot live in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is fine, but if you want to understand the revelation that was in the Old Testament, study the New Testament. Study the Old Testament in the light of the new, do not study the New Testament in the light of the old because it doesn't work that way. That's where the shadows were. We have the reality today. So again, 1 Corinthians 2, verses seven and eight, verse eight says again, which none of the princes of this world knew, if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Let's talk about some other things the mystery includes. The mystery includes the believer's position over Satan's kingdom. You see, Satan didn't understand this. In fact, he probably wondered why Jesus even gave his disciples that authority over him and was shocked to find out that this authority they carried, even though they were fallen beings, Jesus Christ was not. And Satan tempted him so often to become a fallen being, just as he tempted Adam and Adam succumbed to it, and Adam said yes to it and he fell, Jesus Christ wouldn't fall for anything. I think it's interesting Satan offered uh, Adam and Eve, the very first thing, he probably had a whole litany of things. I mean, he probably had uh, plan A, plan B, plan C, all the way through plan Z. And then if you figure, well, if this guy is as smart as God seems to think he is, I'm going to go back and I'll have plan double A after that. And I'll go through the alphabet all over again. He probably had so many plans. And the strange thing was the very first one worked. I mean, he offered Adam and Eve position, told them God had been betraying them and not telling them the truth, and they believed it and fell for it. Satan probably scratched his head and said, Oh my gosh, that was so simple. And when Jesus came, he thought, well, maybe this one's gonna be simple too. And he offered him three temptations in a row, right after he had been anointed by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus passed every single test. And from that time on, he was tempted in all points as we are, but he never yielded, he never sinned, he never accepted Satan's offer. All the way up till the cross, all the way up till the death, burial and resurrection, seating at the right hand of the Father. And I imagine when Jesus sat in heaven, hell had a party. When Jesus disappeared, they thought we got rid of him. Man, 33 years, this guy has been, been affecting people and getting them saved. And, and he had a whole group of disciples with him, gave them that authority. But oh, thank God he's gone. And so they begin to have a party. But I imagine just a little bit into the party, a demon came running in saying, sir, he said, I know that that Jesus guy left, but now 120 has just came down from the upper room. Not only born again, but also endowed with the same authority and power that Jesus had when he was here. And sir, they're preaching the gospel. Now, by the end of that day, 3,120 Jesuses, they went out and began to preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, see them recover signs, wonders and miracles, just like Jesus had. And hell was suddenly shaken. And I think Satan had to pull demons out of retirement just to go take care of the church and try to stop the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And since that time, We also, once we're born again, have the right to be endowed with power from on high, from the Holy Spirit, and to be blessed by him also. We now stand in the place of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll be back right after the break, but in the meantime, you can find out how you can have a personal copy of my book on the book, Ephesians, and explaining so much about this thing of the mystery. See you right after the break.
1: Ephesus was famous for reckless living and idol worship. Even so, the Ephesian church was deeply spiritual. Unlike other letters correcting error, Paul's letter to the Ephesians revealed to mature believers both the truth of who they are in Christ and the practical application of this revelation to their marriages, families, and everyday lives. Bobby Indian's New Testament commentary on Ephesians ties in Greek word studies and scriptural references, revealing God's empowering grace and the unprecedented authority of every believer as part of the body of Christ on earth. To order the New Testament commentary on Ephesians, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Understanding the end times, one of the most incredible and fascinating doctrines in the Word of God, will bring us comfort for the days in which we live. The Bible says we are to encourage and exhort one another with the knowledge of Jesus returning for His saints. In Understanding the End Times, Pastor Bob Yandian provides a thorough and exciting study to give you more revelation of these times in which we live. Topics include The Seven Dispensations, The Dispensation of the Mystery, The Rapture of the Church, The Judgment Seat of Christ, Daniel's Seventy Weeks, the Temple Discourse, the Tribulation, the Second Coming, the Millennial Reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. To order Understanding the End Times, visit bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives.
0: This power and authority that God has given to us, his church, he first of all, before the church even was created and started on the day of Pentecost, gave it to his disciples, not just the 12, but also the 70 that he sent them out. He gave them all this authority and told them how they were to operate in it. And so they came back and they were so excited. No one in the Old Testament had it like we do. I mean... Elijah didn't have it like this. And Jeremiah didn't have it. The other prophets back there didn't have it. This thing is incredible what you've given to us. And here's what he gave them. In Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19, it says this. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us through your name. In other words, they had a pretty high threshold when it came to identifying demons. These are the most powerful. I mean, yes, sickness and disease, we understand. that. But demons, demons, we, they, we speak and they have to leave. Well, notice what Jesus said to them. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give unto you authority. The Greek word is exousia. Your King James uses the word power, but it's actually the word authority. I give you the authority, exousia, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, and it's correctly translated here dunamis. I give you authority over the power of the enemy And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you. Listen, this wasn't available in the Old Testament to the average believer. It was to certain ones, but limited amounts. And these guys had it all the time. And nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Oh, this is incredible. What he's simply saying is, you think this is great? Nah. He said, I saw, I was there when Satan fell. I saw the whole thing happen and he fell like lightning. Let me tell you what lightning is. When lightning comes, it's got three things. Number one, it makes a lot of noise. Number two, it's extremely bright. And number three is that it's fast. And what happened was quickly, boom, like lightning, Satan was cast out of heaven, boom, he hit the ground. There was a great noise and it was so bright the whole universe saw it. Angels saw it, demons saw it, and all those that were here saw it. And Jesus said, I'm one that saw it. He said, understand this, I was there. In other words, what's he simply telling these guys? I was there when Satan was cast out of heaven, and here's the beauty of it. He said, he's a fallen being. Understand that. Why are you rejoicing? Because you have authority over fallen beings. There's no redemption for them. They're gonna end up in hell and finally the lake of fire forever and forever, but you're not. Here's what you ought to be rejoicing in, that your names are written in the book of life in heaven. In other words, your goal is is in this life to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, not just to cast out devils. I know whenever a believer gets filled with the Holy Spirit and they find out what authority has been given to them, it can possess you. I mean, I've seen Christians just go nuts over the fact they have authority over demons. Sickness and disease, but they need to come back to it that the most important thing for any person, including them themselves, is the fact that your names are written in heaven. In fact, the whole anointing power of the Holy Spirit is given to us to assist us in winning souls. In other words, winning souls is not just preaching to people, it's the power of the supernatural, laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover. We can accomplish temporary miracles in a person, and through that temporary miracle, they can have an eternal miracle, and that is have their names written in heaven. So guys, rejoice not because demons are subject to you, but do rejoice in this. Your names are written in heaven and that is eternal. Your authority over demons lasts for a while. Even demons are temporary, but your name is forever written in heaven. So I want to talk about this authority versus power. I'll be dealing more with it later on. But authority versus power, we often say, well, I'd rather have power over the enemy. No, no, no. You'd rather have authority over the enemy. And this is what Jesus said. Authority versus power is greater under authority. In other words, I don't care how strong Satan is. I don't care how many muscles he has. I don't care how powerful every demon is. I have authority over them. I may be scrawny, I may be small, but the point of it is, is this. I'm not scrawny and small and overweight. But the point of it is, is I have authority over Satan's power. He has all the power of hell. I have the name of Jesus, and the name of Jesus causes his power to come to a screeching halt. Power backs authority. He has some authority backed by his power, but I have greater authority through the name of Jesus who conquered him. So my authority is backed by the power of heaven. And if Satan ignores my authority and rolls over me, he's gonna face the power of heaven again. He faced it and lost. When Jesus arose from the dead, he made an open show of Satan, he paraded him through the heavens, made a show of him openly, and then again, now we have the fact that Satan not only has been conquered, he has been sentenced, but the sentence has not taken place yet, and the sentence is found in the word of God, he's going to spend a thousand years in hell, and then after that eternity in the lake of fire. He has been sentenced, but he has not been, actually the sentence has not taken place yet, he's still roaming the earth, but he is a fallen being, and a sentence being because of what Jesus did on the cross, and so heaven backs our authority here in this earth. Let's talk about this. The Old Testament believers and priests and prophets, elect angels and Satan himself, did not know the church age was coming. That's why it's called a mystery. And for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, not just the Old Testament, but long before that time, it was in the heart of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that this time period was coming, of which when this time period began, Jesus Christ, after coming to this earth as a human being dying for us, would take on himself the nature of sin, take on himself the nature of mankind. And then when he went to heaven, he would sit down at the right hand of the Father, and then right after that, the church age would begin. And for uh, 2,000 years, since has happened so far, this would go on, then finally, Jesus Christ would stand back up as Omega and wrap up this whole thing, wrap up the tribulation, wrap up the coming of Jesus Christ, wrap up the sentencing of all the people on the earth that had rejected Him, Jesus, sentence them to hell, and then sentence uh, demons to hell, sen- sentence Satan himself to hell, and uh, get rid of the curse on the earth. All these things would happen. And then the earth would enter into a thousand year time period called the reign of Jesus Christ or the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And so Old Testament believers, priests, prophets, elect angels, Satan himself did not know the church age was coming. Here's a verse of scripture, Isaiah 9:6. You know, we use this at Christmas quite often. And you might get a Christmas card. On the outside of the card will be Isaiah 9:6: For unto us, a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Of his government there shall be no end. We quote that verse of scripture, but think about this. That time period in Isaiah 9 6 has some 2,000 years before the beginning of the verse. And the end of the verse, there's a 2,000-year span between that. The first part of that verse says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a sin is given. That is the coming of Jesus Christ as the uh, Son of God, but also coming as the infant. He was born to uh, to Mary, and but the Father was God himself. He was, uh, you know, bor- born there. And when he was placed in the manger again, here he was coming into the earth, and he would stay there in this earth for 33 years. But he came for us. And notice this. Isaiah said for unto us, those us's were over 500 years before the cross. And yet he died for people in the Old Testament. His coming was for them also. I like to think of it this way. When Jesus hung on the cross and his two hands were spread out, one was toward the Old Testament, one was toward the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they looked forward to the coming of Jesus and they looked forward to the cross. On the cross, Jesus' other hand pointing to the future, we look back to the work of the cross. So that when Jesus hung on the cross, he died for everybody, past, present, and future who would ever be in this earth. And therefore, Jesus died for the sins of the world. And what Isaiah said, that when he goes to the cross, it's for us. Isaiah 53 describes the cross and describes not only salvation, but divine healing through the work of Jesus. And those us's again were some 500 years before Jesus came. So Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And suddenly, listen to the rest of the verse, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And as his government there should be no end between the beginning of verse six and the end of verse six is 2,000 years of the church age. How could Isaiah start here and ignore 2,000 years of the church and jump over here and put this verse together when there's such a big gap in the time period of this verse of scripture? It's because the church was a mystery. Isaiah didn't know about it, had no comprehension of it. One of the strongest ones also was in Daniel chapter nine, verse 23 through 27. And in those verses of scripture, it's a description of Daniel's 70 weeks. And Daniel's 70 weeks are simply divided this way. 69 of the 70 weeks are all attached together, but it describes the coming back from the time that they were in captivity in Babylon, and then the rebuilding of the city, the rebuilding of the walls, and then the uh, the major part up until the end of the 69th week is all the time periods of which uh, they rebuilt and they became a nation, became a ruling nation, became a powerful nation. And then the 69th week of Daniel ends with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then there's still one more week one more uh, called the 70th week in the next verse of scripture, but they just go from one verse writing to the next. And Daniel saw all 70 weeks attached together, not realizing that between the 69th week and the 70th week, God inserted the church age. What happened? At the end of the 69th week, Jesus Christ sat in heaven and God the Father said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And that when he makes his enemies his footstool, that will be the 70th week of Daniel's vision, Daniel's prophecy, but between the end of Daniel's 69th week and the beginning of Daniel's 70th week is the church age. And why didn't Daniel know about it? It was a mystery, something that was not revealed to him, and it's been revealed to us. So we understand that, and Jesus Christ helped to explain that in Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25. And there's a couple of times when Jesus mentioned in there, as was spoken by Daniel the prophet, Isaiah, Daniel didn't know this time period was coming. You ever wondered why when Jesus came into this earth and started his public ministry that he said of John the Baptist, there has not been a prophet born to the level of this one man. This man has the is the prime one. And he said he's special among all the prophets. And why would he say that? Because, I mean, he didn't even write a book. John the Baptist didn't even write a book. And here he is being declared greater than Isaiah, Jeremiah, who wrote huge books, Why was he better? Because Isaiah foresaw the coming of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah foresaw the coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, Moses, who wrote five books of the Old Testament, prophesied of the coming of Jesus Christ. David prophesied of the coming of Jesus Christ. All prophets in the Old Testament, but a greater than all of them has come about. His name is John the Baptist. Why was he greater? He got to see the one they prophesied of. And in seeing him, he began to understand about all these things that were starting to come upon Jesus and his ministry. So I will see you tomorrow as we continue right on with this about God's mission for the church today.
1: You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com.